And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that local shouting, it's Daner Dave Ninemitz. It's Daner Dave Ninemitz. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Rowan, Paul, Junior, Dave, and the of The Athletic are with you on a Tuesday. Maybe, maybe recovered back to normal sleep patterns, kind of, after yeah. the late, late night on Sunday night. We're, we're trying to get back recentered here. Yeah, you combine some daylight savings that I keep thinking we're getting rid of, and then we don't get rid of, and we're falling back, and we're I'm all out of whack right now. Yeah, late games and daylight savings is it's it's all bad combos. Bad combo. It's all bad combos right now. Yeah. But we but we're trying we're trying to get back because it's uh we got a lot to get to. I get I, there's just so there's just so many things. The wheels are in motion. Things are happening right. Which <laughs> will but shout shout out to the growler bet people and the submissions. You guys have really hit a stride that I didn't know was possible. We're gonna get to that later on this episode. But so many good ones. You guys tapped into the Seinfeld references from last week, uh, including a full, like Seinfeld themed poem. I mean, you got it's just you guys are really going above and beyond. So we'll get to some of that. We'll have Arby's later. Got a couple of good Arby's for you. Have some behind the scenes stuff. Uh, all of that. But Mo Egger will of course join us today. Uh, I, I'm gonna, you know, it's something I'm writing this week. I'm doing some second half of the season predictions, you know, because Dave, no one's ever done this no. before. But you got when it's the midway point, <laughs> you gotta look forward and you gotta say what exactly is gonna happen. I wanted to go with a like really <laughs> obscure predictions, like you know, could John Carter will come back, he will rejoin <laughs> the team. He will play and and uh, tear his ACL again at age forty, whatever. Uh, I, he might even be fifty. He's fifty now, probably. <laughs> I don't know. I think it would be worth rolling the dice on that, just yeah. in case it happens. You'd be you, the guy. Yeah, on a level of like bold from cold to bold, which I'm gonna <laughs> do. I'm doing cold to bold today. I would have been really bold, obscure prediction. I should have gone most obscure prediction possible, but no, no, no. Real, some more realistic predictions. It will be cold to bold, but we're gonna gonna kind of. Hone in on a few things that we think are going to happen in the in the second half. N- nothing too obscure, unless I start getting weird, which always is possible. <laughs> let's hope so. Uh, let's hope so. Uh, so uh, and this week, uh, my guys over at Fox 19, Joe Daneman and Jeremy Rao, are going to join as my co-host later this week. Looking forward to that. And I am slated to have JT O'Sullivan of... Uh, uh, who's done does incredible work with his Patreon over the QB School YouTube page, uh, reviewing QB play. I had him on last year. He was incredible. He was kind of the started me going on the back shoulder story with Burrow, well, with the way Stroud played and the way Burrow's been kind of evolving his game. Thought it would be a great time to bring in 
sort of JTO as our QB expert to talk a little bit about Bengals Texans. So we'll have him later this week too. Looking forward to that show. Going to be a going to be a good one. So make sure you check in later the week uh, for that. Uh, but for now, let's dive into some news and, and some of the topics we want to get into. Top of the news cycle coming off the win is you know we we end up we go into the locker room yesterday, Dave, and these Mondays. Like everybody just kind of blows through and and there's not necessarily everybody just trying to get out of there because they're meeting breaks and they're just they're going basically right to the parking lot uh, to leave. And so you get maybe one or two people, maybe there's some stragglers and there's usually somebody who's a leftover from the day before. Well, Jamar Chase didn't really talk after the game on Sunday because, well, turns out he was in some pain uh, and, and just wasn't there's was a lot of other stuff going on, a lot of other people to highlight. Um, so people are kind of waiting for him and he's there to talk and he starts discussing things mm. and, uh, turns out he's in some pain. Yeah. <laughs> now, anybody that watched the game and saw in particular, what we all believe it's the play where he kind of lands on his back there on that underthrown deep ball, um, that really should have been six. If, if Burrow gets it all the way out there, cause he had, had him beat pretty yeah. good, but still he, he lands awkwardly. I mean, I mean, and, it was kind of said, I guess, on the broadcast in the moment. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, Chris Collinsworth was all over that. He said, Jamar is not going to feel good getting out of bed tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently he was very right about that. Apparently he was right. And and so Chase, now it's it's got to preface this. This is Monday after a Sunday night game. Okay. These dudes were just in a car wreck. So in this, in, in Jamar was in a particularly bad one. His airbag did not deploy. Okay. <laughs> like, He's feeling it. And so there was – I've talked to Jamar Chase a lot. We've heard him talk a lot. I know his feelings on injuries <laughs> and wanting to make yeah. sure you're totally healthy with his stars. So <laughs> yeah. you could hear him being – he was monitoring it, and he was concerned about it in the in the way that he talked. You know, he said, look, I, I'm sore just moving around. I all I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on other uh, right now. Other than I'm really sore, moving around, and it's hard to do. And 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 I don't I don't know. But I got to get myself healthy. And I he used the word cautious with the back being part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, here's here's a little bit more, uh, a little another little cut of of Jamar Chase on that injury. Went through this last year. Uh, all I can do is pray, pray, pray. You know what I'm saying? Like, I keep saying, be a good teammate, be there for those guys, but try to get healthy. That's the only thing I can do right now. And, you know what I'm saying? Everybody count on me to be healthy. Just playing through pain, something you've done in the past. Play through pain every game. <laughs> How's, how's the back when, it, when it's a back versus a hip? I mean, what's the big difference? More spine, middle of everything, uh, more cautious on it. So, I'm good. He, he talked to us for about a little shy of five minutes, and most of it was kind of like that. Um, Opened by saying he's alive, and that's a good thing. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah. It's good when you start. When you're starting there, you're like, okay, what's our baseline? Uh, yeah. But again, this is not Zach Taylor. We asked him about it. He said, yeah, I talked to Jamar. He's really sore. It's hard to the day after a game. It's really hard to make any comments on stuff like that. That's a matter of just time. Um, 
So he may be held back this week. He may not play this weekend. He may play this weekend. I don't know, but it's, it's the point being it's worth tracking. It, it It's going to be something that we're going to be watching this week to see what the issue is, how long it will take. And, and if, if Jamar is going to be able to go this weekend, but that's kind of a little bit of, of where it stands right now, but you can't say anything right now. This is still just the Monday after he, you know, took a big hit. Yeah. It, I mean, I guess you got to take some comfort in the fact that, you know, last year, because all the seasons have to mirror each other. Apparently yes, we had, we had the, <laughs> the bone chip in the hip. Um, and it kind of felt like really kind of doomsday when that happened, they lost him for about a month. So you take some comfort in knowing that they've endured life without Jamar. However, they've leaned on him so heavily up to this point. I, I think the fact that T Higgins kind of woke up some in this past game helps, but a lot of that was because, as you wrote about, Jamar was drawing so much interest and and Burrow was picking, you know, the spots that were open because Jamar was drawing so much interest. So you could kind of go either way on that, but I think, you know, the good thing about it is I would guess, as you know, I am a doctor. Wait, yeah. no, I'm not. Uh, I would guess this is more a bruise kind of soreness thing than it is any sort of, you know, broken thing or anything like that. So uh, probably just something, some rest heals, I would imagine. That's certainly their hope uh, is that you come back and a couple of days later, he's feeling better, limited on Wednesday and, and off you go. Um, yeah. But we'll again, we'll see. And Jamar is going to be the first one to say, I'm going to take the extra time to make sure that I'm right and not jeopardize anything, uh, mm-hmm. as he has made clear his point on <laughs> on that both last year and with Burrow coming back. So just keep keep all of that in mind. You know, he he, he just kept saying, I mean, it got worse during the game and and you saw, you know, on the broadcast, you could see they had the thing on his back because they were trying to loosen up. So he's. I think he's feeling it a, li- a lot, and uh, but we'll we'll keep an eye on that. So check back with me when we do the podcast on Thursday, uh, where it's at. Or obviously, you know, you can be everything on the site or follow me on Twitter. Which I, if you're not by now, like I've, I've been covering the team <laughs> for a long time <laughs> since, since almost before before I even had a Twitter account. I was covering this. Team. I mean, uh, people could join the 900 plus following me, and I'll just retweet you. Yeah, there you so go. That follow too. Dave. Yeah. Follow Dave. Let's, what, let's get what, what even is your Twitter? What even is your uh, your X? What's your X? It's just my name. Yeah. But then people have to figure out how to spell my name. Yeah, so two that's eyes. A, no one yeah, wants that. It's a whole. You know what? Thing. Don't do it. Don't don't no. follow Dave. <laughs> unfollow me. <laughs> Actually, unfollow him. Yeah. Uh, so that that's a little bit of where things stand with with Chase. And, and yeah, you're right. You know, they went through this last year and it ended up being kind of a blessing in disguise. You had it, it prompted the rise of Trent and Irwin, which was a big deal. Um, it, it really allowed their whole the rest of their offense to really grow. Uh, and they didn't lose after that first game without him in, in against Cleveland, and, and the offense kind of took off. Burrow can 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 do that sometimes. So I, I think they're in a good place to weather uh, an absence, whether it was for a game or more or whatever. Um, e- even though they are leaning on him a lot, and and that can be for the best. Yeah. Uh, in in the long run of things, and you don't want to be without him for very long, but. Well, and as you as you wrote in the offseason, and if if anyone's looking for encouragement if Jamar doesn't play, you broke down the numbers of Jamar without T and T without Jamar. And it turns out T does better without Jamar than Jamar does without T. So and that was that was contract based. You were kind of looking at what the future yeah. would be like. 
Um, That's right. But it it would apply here. And, you know, again, I think you take some encouragement out of the fact that it, it looks like T. Higgins is kind of back to being T. Higgins. And Andre Yoshivash has really shown yeah. well in the spots he's been given. He's scored yeah. in red. I mean, he's playing like he's averaging like a touchdown every 15 or 20 snaps. Yeah. I mean, even his one, even his one catch the other night. He fought to try to get yeah. that first down. I mean, he's looked good every chance he gets. And, and Charlie Jones is going to be coming back off the IR. Expected, looking in good shape to come back uh, this weekend as well. So added depth. You, you invested in that room. Higgins and Boyd are playing well. Um, Irwin's still there. I think you you can be encouraged that your depth. Nothing can quite make up for Jamar, but they're they're in a good place. Um, at that position and as um, people will see in your second half predictions jordan shipley is returning to the bengals <laughs> <laughs> that's right jordan Sh- actually jordan shipley and chad ochocinco uh combined <laughs> to carry the team down the stretch to that a winning right. city uh, unbelievable awful. unbelievable did not see that one coming um shipley on crutches of all things was a yeah. surprise um but you know it happened <laughs> so all right Let's let's go. I, I want to talk about one other topic, and that is, you know, something I addressed on the walkout. But when when you back away from it over this stretch, and it connects to what I wrote last week about the closing, they've been able to win this way and be this team that closes games at the highest rate in the NFL uh, because it also shows how you beat them. You yeah. get you get ahead on that. If they jump on you early, it's just been it's just been night night, and yeah. so that's why this stretch of what they've done over the last four weeks is so important and so remarkable. I mean, they have the first two drives of each of the last four games have all resulted in scores: seven touchdowns, one field goal. Um, it's stupid. So that is six point five points per drive. Um, which is like not even a real number. I mean, it's it's more than double yeah. anybody else in the league. Uh, 0.49 EPA per play is well more than double everybody else in the league. Um, that's obvious. It's, it's one of the best stretches you've you've seen in this in the NFL. I mean, to to do this for this many weeks in a row is really hard to do. The interesting thing has been, and and you're going to expect some of this. Because when you come out hot, you're, 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 the dynamic of the game has changed. They have tried to kind of soak away leads. and But they also have not been great after that. The Seattle game, the most notable. But yeah. there's just been sluggishness. They, yeah, maybe they've moved the ball, but they haven't finished. Or they had a turnover or or had to kick a field goal or missed a field goal or, or whatever. So when you invert the first two drives and, and take them out, they are 1.38. This is just since week five. This is just under this mm-hmm. this this stretch here. Uh, they are 1.38 points per drive, which ranks 29th in the league. Wow. Okay. They are negative 0.09 EPA per play, which is 26th in the league. When you once those have been over, they have been really just not effective enough. And it's so it's interesting. So I talk with Brian Callahan a little bit more and it's specifically about how you come up with a script. Yeah. I'm just I, like this, this script thing has been kind of, it's really interesting. Why is it working so well? And what have they done this year? And what is that process? Um, I thought it was a really interesting conversation. 
Uh, I enjoyed it. And, and there, but there's, I think something to take out of it in regards specifically to what they're doing and, and maybe what's next for them, you know, not being 1.38 points per drive after the first two drives, yeah. uh, like it has been uh, of late. So this is a little bit more of an extended piece of that conversation I had with him um, on Monday, but I think you might enjoy it. It's maybe it's a little in the weeds, uh, but I think it's kind of fascinating stuff for how they, they have been able to, how it works and how they've been able to kind of come up with some very successful moments here early in games. The way that it works generally, like just the overarching is like, I'll sit down like tonight. Like I'm probably, I'm pretty deep into Houston at this point. Yeah. Uh, And then I'll spend, once I finish watching all the first, second down stuff and all the pressures, uh, I start building our list for the pass game, base passes, first, second down, play actions, naked screens. Typically a lot of carry over there. From um, week to week, or is that to, usually try to carry over a lot. Okay, I've always found that that's good. Good teams and good offenses have carryover. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to start from scratch every week. Like there's things that maybe you didn't get to that uh, are still applicable in this game. Like for example, San Francisco and Houston, very similar schemes. Okay, is there some things from the San Francisco game plan that we've practiced, installed, and repped that fit again that we didn't call in the game? Right. And there, yes, there inevitably always is. Um, is there things that we didn't get to that are still happening? So you always start there. Carry over as much as you can because you only have so many hours in the day. Yeah. And then um, you try to figure out what are our wrinkles for this week. And that's usually based on a couple of things. It's based on what have we shown, mm-hmm. um, what formations have we shown, what motions have we shown, how do we add a layer to it. Yep. So if we had a motion that we had a screen off of, how do we find a way to either have a run off of that or have a play action off of that? Or And then you try to, you always try, in a, in a, especially in an opening script, is to give them, you're, you're setting things up, you're showing things that are different, and you're also at the same time trying to see how they're going to play. So maybe you're, you're probing them at the same time, like, so that's why you try to throw, like, you throw a 12 personnel under center out there. What are they going to What's their reaction? Okay, now that they're going to play, here's the next. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's sort of a back and forth. Yeah, on, it's like a, yeah, yeah, I know, I'm following you, yeah. On setting up something versus trying to see also what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's it's not an overly complicated process, and then you know you just try to have a good mix. Like we try to yeah. mix, make sure we have enough. You know, what's our what's our early under center stuff? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're definitely going to probably have some version of a screen we're going to have a movement whatever that movement is naked naked bootleg whatever that is so you just try to give them you try to give them a bunch of different things to, to look at early and then again we're doing the same thing we're yeah. seeing what we're setting up after that too so um, that's kind of in a nutshell how it works have you been more aggressive um in this stretch which is just unbelievable i mean you've got seven touchdowns and a field goal in the last you know eight drives open it's been crazy but i mean have you purposely been like knowing let's play from ahead let's front load some of what we think is maybe our best stuff yes. for the week rather than holding on to yeah, maybe maybe in the past you held on more or I don't know well, maybe not maybe, not that, maybe all. not that but we've definitely had we've definitely had a had a a leaning more aggressive for the yeah. games this year yeah as as he's got Joe's gotten healthy so um, there's been a little bit more of like 
it's not let's say we got a really good play action shot that we like or something we think is a generic explosive let's not hold on to it yeah let's let's put it out there early and, and some of that's Zach knowing like hey I'm just gonna look I know that I just call these things if I just call them yeah Joe's gonna make the right decision and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Dave, so one thing that Brian said there that I thought was interesting at the end is is their lean towards aggression um as this year uh, in these moments of of not let's not hold it, which is what he said. Let's let's not hold anything. Let's just go all out for it in the beginning. No trusting Burrow to check out of it if necessary, or you know, or check it down or, or whatever, and not necessarily push it. And just finding success there in understand, I think an understanding of empty the bucket early because you know how good you are once you get up. And we saw that even in the, even in terms of taking the ball against Buffalo uh, immediately and, and just the way that they've been so aggressive, they've been 73% pass heavy on the first two drives compared to 60% after that's expected because your attitude on what you're trying to do has changed. That includes late in the game where you're just four minutes soaking it up, but still 70% is the most in the NFL, most passed heavy on the first two drives the last four weeks uh, of, of anybody in football. Um, It's really going after it. So to me, the takeaway is keep doing that, right? (laughs) I mean, don't, don't let up. uh, um, And, and they're closer to it, if you, but you can see the next step for them offensively of where they where they can go, if yeah. they can just find a way to kind of finish off more of those and keep what's happening early on these scripts going. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess part of that hinges too, and we'll get into a little bit later on what your running game's doing. Yeah, but I just using one play as an example, I feel like that play to Boyd really to ice the game i mean mixon's run iced the game but the play to boyd really kind of was almost that last nail and you know a lot of teams i think would have come out and just been like let's just kind of run it here and hope we get a couple first downs and that's the kind of play late in the game that comes up big but you know do do you sprinkle more of that throughout the game and just kind of take your shots yeah, and it feels very different if they just get a little more finish on on some of those drives, but yeah. that's just not it's not totally happening right now and I think there's an investigation for them to do yeah. on on what's happening on the first couple of drives that they're scripting versus what's happening after that once they get into, you know, it, moving the ball and plus territory. It was the same thing in San Francisco and you can say, "Geez, if Irv doesn't fumble in San Francisco, yeah. they're not put they're not choking teams out a little bit as much considering how well they're playing. You know, when you get up like that, uh, you have such an opportunity and they're not totally doing it. And it shows how much growth potential they still have left despite how well yeah. they've played, which as we kind of uh, alluded to 
uh, in the walkout is the scary thing about where they're at is they're winning these games against very good teams and doing it where you feel like they're in total control and not even necessarily playing their best right. um, is a, a scary thought for uh, opposing teams. Yeah. Um, Mo Eggers here from ESP 1530. What's up? How are we doing? We're doing good. We're just uh, just sort of discussing, like, apparently the Bengals just always score in the first couple drives. We had, like, a long time where they never scored on the first two drives of a game. Yeah. Uh, like, maybe years where it's like they never scored. Yeah. And now it's all they do is just hop up on teams and just, you know, salt away wins and make it easy uh, on the heart palpitations of fans, which is just a really a pretty ridiculous change of pace when you consider the history of the franchise. You know, it's it's remarkable. It's it's the ease with which they score to start games, and yet you know the game is still going to be tough, right? Yeah. Like their first possession against Seattle, they looked great. You knew that game was going to be tough. Uh, the, the game on on uh, on Sunday night, you know, they, they jump out, they scored their first two possessions, and I think there are a handful of folks who are like, oh, boy, this is about to take off, and I'm going, uh-uh. It's not going to be that easy. It's never that easy, especially against good teams. Uh, but it is remarkable. And uh, you guys were just talking about, like, they have such great success with the scripted stuff. Now they have to figure out a way to succeed off script. Yeah. Um, and and good for them for figuring out that part. But I, I've got we've got plenty. So maybe that's going to be part of your part of our second half. Prediction. We're going to do some second half of the season predictions It's a story I'm writing this week just sort of diving into a few we were talking about how obscure we could go i was saying maybe kajana carter returns could be one of my predictions <laughs> returns for what yeah yeah just to get a few lugs in you know just come to, to come to a yeah. game yeah, yeah no no i think i mean Corey dylan was there uh on sunday he looked like he maybe could could probably get you a few yards Corey dylan showed up at the holy grail before yeah. the game right and he yeah. was wearing a t-shirt that had his stats on the back I love this. I love it. I love love this so much. In fact, I think this should be a requirement for every professional athlete. (laughs) You've got to wear your card on the back. You've got to wear your football or baseball or basketball reference page on the back of your shirt. It was great. But what was interesting about it was he just had his Cincinnati stats. I'm looking at it. I'm like, Corey, you realize in 04, you were the best player in that good team that won 14 games and won the Super Bowl. Like, you were 1,600 yards, man. Put that on the shirt, dude. Yeah, put on the like, shirt. That's, that's going to bolster your Hall of Fame case as much as anything. Put that bad boy on the shirt. But, yeah, he was walking around and taking pictures with people. He was awesome with a shirt that had his his vitals on the back. Every athlete should do this. Yes. <laughs> can you can you put, like, your – do you have some T-shirts with, like, your ratings? Oh, uh, we don't uh, need that. No. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't know. We're 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 good. We're oh, good. okay. All right. Yeah. Just check. I don't know if we should all do that. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, well, I, I so I want to do some predictions and uh for the second half of the season. You ready for this, Mo? I'm, I'm ready. Cold and bold. Mm. Don't tell anybody that we're doing that we're using because I don't want anybody to steal this from mm, us. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we have two predictions: one cold, one bold. Uh, for the second half of the season, the Bengals at at five and three, nine games left by, by my basic math. I don't like the having to count to 17, but I can do it despite okay. my Ohio University education. Uh, so nine games left. What do you let's start cold, of course. Cold. Yeah, we got to work our way up. OK, a, a very like predictable prediction, if you will. Uh, what do you what do you what do you got? So. This isn't something that I've put any statistical heft behind. Mm-hmm. Tanner Hudson 
becomes Hayden Hurst. Okay. Like right. the guy who by the end of the season, we're all like, God, you know what? What a godsend. And he becomes sort of a fan favorite. And he's a guy that makes a couple of critical catches like he did on Sunday night. And, you know, we, we go back and we talk about, well, all people like Mo were doing at the trade deadline was screaming. They have to go trade for a tight end. And then Tanner Hudson showed up and now he's the greatest tight end ever. Now they don't need to draft the tight end because they're going to have Tanner Hudson. And he's going to be this invaluable piece for a postseason push. Um, he becomes Hayden Hurst. In the regard that his numbers will be the same as Hayden Hurst over the yeah. last nine games, or does he get paid uh, three years, uh, how, what, 20, 18, 20 million, and then be disgruntled in Carolina? Is that what happens? I don't, I didn't think that far. Does ahead. he grow his hair out? Is it a beard thing? Could be. I, you know, I don't know. That, that'd be a question for you guys. But <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think they found something there. And, yeah. and I know like Sunday, I night, Sunday night was about you. Drew Sample caught a touchdown pass and Irv Smith, old Irv. Now he, he did drop one later in the game, but old Irv made a play, man. Like they were trolling us with that game plan. We know this, right? Yeah. This is like, oh, personal great for tight ends. Yeah. Here's 10 passes to tight ends or 11. <laughs> except Irv dropped one. Yeah. But I, I think they tapped into something here. And I, I, I think, I, I would imagine that, that the coaches and Joe Burrow get together and go, okay, especially if there's some degree of uncertainty regarding Jamar. Uh, here's something we tapped into against a good team. How do we expand upon this? Right. We talk about like, you've talked about it a lot this year, like getting Joe Burrow's trust. So Tanner played in two games. He caught two passes in each, and then he's elevated. Joe talks about, you know, what he brings to the offense and then they throw it to him four times and he catches four passes. And that's what Hayden Hurst was last year. Yeah. That's what he was, you know. I, well, so I, I think, I think Tanner Hudson becomes Hayden Hurst. I'll, I, I like that. What I like about Tanner's game is that he just has this way, which is like the ultimate tight end thing. He has this way of understanding body positioning and where everybody is and how to come down with the ball. Yes, like, he's just the guy that knows how to get in the spot and make the play to come down with the ball. Maybe he gets a couple extra yards, maybe does, but get the catch. You throw it into the post, it's not going to be a turnover. You know, he just like mm -hmm. knows how to go get it and, and where to go get it at. And that's such a big deal. And I just think that he, that's a nice knack for a guy like with a guy like Burrow who likes to throw it into places where to give you a chance to go position yourself to get the ball in the same way that T Higgins did such a, has done such a great job his whole career, but particularly on Sunday night that just like positioning in his body in the right spot and making the catch and holding the ball out with one hand and being like, look, I'm an athletic freak and you're not, but like, you know, it's, Tanner has a, has a kind of a way of doing that despite not being a really physically Im imposing tight end that way. Yeah. It, it seems like he's really good at being able to run to an open area of grass and catch the football. Like yeah. it there, there's, and again, like I think I said this to you last week, when we talk about tight ends in the modern era, everybody always wants to like, well, he's got to be like Travis Kelsey, not happening. Got to be like Gronk, not happening can he catch five passes a game in this offense and have yeah. them be, you know, important catches where it's, you know, third and seven and he gains eight yards or he makes a play in the red zone. Like I, I just, I feel like a quality smart quarterback and a good coaching staff, they hit on something. Now they expand it. And so I, I, I could see that role expanding. And again, you know, the Bengals, they are never going to go into games thinking, God, we want to throw the ball to Tanner Hudson 14 times. 
But that's okay. What was Hayden Hurst? He was security blanket. He was reliable. He was a, a nice complimentary piece. I, I just, I, I feel like they've tapped into something here. And, and you know, he, we're not going to be making the Tanner Hudson all pro case by the end of the season. But I do get the sense that there's a genuine possibility that by the time they've played 17 games, we look at this week as a bit of a turning point for this offense because they 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 found something. They found something there. And that again, maybe they maybe they did too with Irv Smith. And maybe they did too with just the tight end position as a whole, but they elevated him and he produced. So that would tell me that the responsibility and the snap count and the targets, all those things should naturally then increase. Yeah. And and I almost think of him more like in the passing game as like a CJ Uzama with really good awareness. I no one needs you to make a crazy play, but like you said, when it's third and five and everyone's focused on the receivers and they you know sort of fall off of you a little bit to understand that space, find that space, be prepared to catch the ball and go get it right there and make the play. That CJ was great at that of knowing yeah. where the space was, taking advantage of the attention not being paid to him and and making plays. That's that's what you need at a position, and Tanner seems to have. A knack for that. All right, I'll give you my my cold. I because I I think I don't think despite everything we're going to say about the AFC North that this is in any way a a hot take or hot prediction or whatever. I think winner of Ravens Bengals on November sixteenth will ultimately decide the AFC North. Period. Yeah, that will like be the way. game difference. It, it will be. Way. It will come down to these two teams. They look so much better. The Bengals. I don't think when you consider how good barring a barring an injury to either quarterback, which can be said in almost anything you do. um, And that's notable with Lamar's history, uh, but barring that they just look so clearly better despite how, you know, the winning that's happening in Cleveland and, and Pittsburgh. And I don't think that there's a way the Bengals can chase down the Ravens if they lose that game. I mean, the Ravens look too good. They look really built for it this year. They they have had a couple of years on the brink. They're fully healthy. Lamar's playing at an MVP level. Um, they're really well-rounded. And that's going to be a tall order. But the hole that was dug early comes to bite you here in that you're now going to be forced to have on a short week to go into Baltimore and win to get yourself back on pace. If you fall back two games and the tie break, and you're now still having to have a win in the AFC North Hmm. that with it's one thing for to do that in a year when the division is down, when it's better than any division in football has been since realignment, it's, it's asking too much. And so I, but I think if the Bengals do go do that, it's such a it's such a shot across the bow of mm-hmm. Baltimore. It's it you feel like that team is about to go on the run just like last year and and can can leave Baltimore behind them in their dust. So I, I think that that game will ultimately when we look back on it on January 8th or 9th or whatever, be the one that decides the division feels that way. Now, let me ask you this. What if. Cleveland beats Baltimore this week because well no here's the but I don't but here's the thing I still think you are going to have the bloodbath of the north continue I there, sure I think that's going to be regardless I think you're still going to have the Bengals are going to lose another north game or two um Cleveland is Pittsburgh is Baltimore mm-hmm. is they, they're just all too good to survive it and I think that washout points me even more so to Bengals Ravens, because I just, I just think that's where it ends. Maybe uh, I, I think, I think, and, and I think Baltimore will, will beat the Browns, but 
Deshaun Watson is back. They do mm. have a great defense. A victory over the Browns or over the Ravens would put them at six and three. The Bengals have to play in week 18. And we've all just determined that the Browns have the Bengals number. And so yeah, I, I think like I, I think with the way everybody talks about the AFC North, it's right now Baltimore looks like the best team in the sport. And then even though they're in last place, I think most regard the Bengals as the next most likely team to win the division. I think folks will start to believe in the Browns a little bit if they win that game. And then, you know, okay, let's say the Bengals beat Baltimore. Does Cleveland take off a little bit here? You know, not to the extent that they run the table or anything, but do they take off a little bit here? And does maybe that week 18 game, does does that, what AFC North or playoff ramifications are there? But yeah, that Bengals-Ravens game, it feels like, it feels like it's a de facto AFC North championship game. It's hard yeah. to imagine them winning the division if they go to Baltimore and lose. Yeah. To the Ravens for a second time. And if they go there and win, you know, we said this all along, get me to six and three on November the 16th. Give me a shot. If they win that game, then it, it really feels like things take off. Yeah. In, in not just in the division, because the chiefs look like a team that has flaws right now. And, and obviously, and if you talk about the AFC North, I mean, the Baltimore, I think, and the Bengals, boy, they might be the class of the NFL right now. If, if you were talking, give me one game. And who would be favored uh, across the whole NFL outside Ravens and Bengals? Would anybody be favored against those two teams? Would Kansas City be favored right now in one game on a neutral field against the Bengals? Yeah. Probably, maybe just because of the history. But I, I don't know. Like I, yeah, I don't know. It might on be might be one to fire over to our to our friends in Vegas on what that line would be on a neutral field. But I, I just it, they feel right now. If you were talking about where where they're playing, that's it. That thing. This week to week league, baby, right? Everything changes. <laughs> but uh, but but that said, uh, right now, that's my prediction for the second half is is that game will end will end up determining the AFC North winner. Um, all right, let's get a little bolder, shall we? A little bolder. What's your okay. what's maybe your bolder prediction for the second half? All right. Part of this is a gambling take. Joe okay. Burrow, Joe Burrow will be the NFL MVP, which wow. you could buy right now. Which you could buy right now at plus two thousand. So if you think this team's going to take off, if they beat Baltimore, they have a ton of like, you know, center stage games, Jacksonville on a Monday night, Baltimore in prime time with a lot riding on it. They play Kansas city. He's coming off the performance against San Francisco, a performance this week that we all just sort of shrugged our shoulders. Like, do you know how good he was on Sunday? He wasn't great, <laughs> you know, like, like he was against San Francisco, but now we just uh three and a couple of touchdowns. They never trailed like, we're now just shrugging our shoulders. So statistically, it's hard to look at where he ranks in relation to Mahomes and Hurts and some of the other guys and feel great about it. But Lamar Jackson is terrific as, as he has been. And if, if Baltimore wins the division and he plays 17 games, pretty good chance he's going to be the MVP. I'm betting against that happening. Uh, I'm betting on Joe Burrow playing well enough against him. I'm betting against Lamar staying healthy, which is still a thing. I'm betting against Tua staying healthy, which he's got to beat somebody who's good at some point. Mahomes is the odds on favorite. The Chiefs offensively aren't having a great year, and he's thrown a bunch of picks. The one thing Burrow doesn't do is throw picks. He's only thrown four. And so I think all of that Bengals take off. The It feels like it's wide. It feels like there are years where we just decide in November, so-and-so is the MVP. It just, and, and then there are years where it feels like, you know, every week somebody gets their shot. Joe's going to get his shot specifically if they win this week and they play well and beat Baltimore on the road, then folks are going to start talking about Joe. The number's going to plummet. And you and I both know, like 
there's there are going to be voters who just I'm going to vote for somebody who's new. Joe will be new. So there you go. Joe Burrow. It's bold. It's bold. It is bold. It is bold because you're giving credit to for nuance to the voters. No question. To, to ignore the first four weeks and say, okay, I'm not going to count the case. And like now they might be more likely to do it because I did this, I did this more of an in-depth study last year of okay, mm-hmm. if you take out the first couple of weeks, he was playing at an MVP level, but those were bringing his his numbers down. He ended up finishing fourth in the MVP voting just behind Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And is it is there is there more of a willingness to do it because that was due to injury that his numbers were down? Were the will, will will anybody be willing to look at it with that level of nuance? I'm not betting on nuance amongst a, a, NFL MVP voters. Yeah. Um that said, um the case would be clear, I think, if they go on a, a, a the type of run that you're talking about well, here, that he should be in that conversation. You you could speak to the voters and their uh collective and individual intelligence more than I can, but Joe Burrow's calf injury was one of the three or four biggest stories of the first month of the season. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like anybody forgot that he was hurt. It's it's and like I think to a degree he's going to get credit for playing or he should get credit for playing. Right. So, you know, again, if if Mahomes lights it up, if Lamar plays 17 games and continues the way he's playing and the Ravens, you know, run away hide in the north. OK, but if you think the Bengals are going to take off and and that seems to be a you know, a, a pretty widespread sentiment and you think they can beat Baltimore, which they certainly can. You're being fair if you don't think they will. But if they do and they take off, I I, I don't know. I, I just I got to think there are going to be voters who are like, look, I'm going to look at the overall body of work. And the overall body of work was, you know, the, the first four games stunk and then he took off and he played great. And he lifted the Bengals to another AFC North title. And by the way, he you know, some might hold the weaponry against him. He's got better we- better weapons right now. I know Jamar's back hurts than Mahomes does. I-, I would say more than Jalen Hurts does as much as I like A.J. Brown and, and company. Uh, you know, again, it's bold. It's a bold prediction. It's a bold take, right? This isn't lukewarm. Not lukewarm. Okay? You were bold. This, this isn't a hot tub. Yeah. No, 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 no. This is bold. This is stand out and be bold. So I'm going bold. Burrow MVP. And I've made the wager plus 2000. The value is insane. I get a guy who was a finalist for the award last year. No question. With a half a season to go, who plays a bunch of high profile games, who's coming off two very good performances at plus 2000. Sign me up. The, if they lose only one game the rest of the way, he will be the MVP. Okay. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So yes. that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if, right. they, if, they, if they only lose one more time uh, the rest of the way, he would. I think that it would be a hard argument against assuming he plays the level he would have for that happen. If they're 13 and four, they win the division. Joe Burrow will be the MVP. Yes. Like now, are they going to go 13 and four? No, I'm not saying that necessarily, <laughs> but, but, but you know, yeah. And, and again, like uh, uh, Mahomes right now is the betting favorite and the chiefs are a seven and two Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs offense. They've spun their tires. They may take off in the second half of the season and you are being reasonable. If you bet on that happening, but if I got to be bold, I'm taking the guy who right now is plus two thousand. Uh, mine is is uh, that T Higgins will outgain Jamar Chase in the second half of the season. Wow, I I I think that it's true. For one, that T Higgins' early struggles were circumstantial. The injury played a role in all of that, and this has nothing to do with any any 
back soreness for for Chase. This is this right. is all things even. I, I just think what we saw from Buffalo is going to continue to be the defensive approach of everybody they play the rest of the way. We are not going to let <laughs> everything run through Jamar Chase, and that is going to be what we saw in Chase's rookie year. The first half of the season, Chase went bananas, and everybody adjusted to him, and then the second half of the season, T. Higgins went off, and they just started getting him one-on-one over and over again, and he just owned people, and the more – you focus everything. And this was the point of our conversation about Jamar a few weeks back of where the offense needed to move and adjust. It was run it through Jamar. And until they stop it, that will be what opens up everything forever. Just, just shovel it into them and enforce it. And so much of that will be underneath so much of everything. Everybody's doing across the whole league and specifically against the Bengals is on keeping everything in front of them and not allowing those those deep shots to happen. So you're going to have most of Jamar's stuff be yak anyway. The bigger gains will come to T as they have so often because that's where you can find the softer coverage. He's available more downfield and things like that. So I, I feel like a, the Higgins breakout, you could sense it coming on in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You certainly saw it uh, on Sunday night against Buffalo. The way defenses are going to approach this team, knowing what, they've been doing with Jamar Chase I think the Higgins run is upon us last nine games of the season T Higgins has more receiving yards than Jamar Chase wow okay Uh, yeah that frankly don't be offended doesn't seem that bold it's not that bold T Higgins is great yeah but I mean Jamar Chase has outgained him pretty significantly each year of their career Sure, but I mean, there's... And he's outgained him by 300 plus yards through the first half of the season. Yeah, because T. Higgins sucked in the first half of the season. Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't that part of the boldness? But, but, <laughs> but, like he's he's still like a guy. He's a great player, and he was he was you know he's been really good the last two games. Uh, and then there's you know the way the Buffalo Bills said we're not letting Jamar Chase beat us. You're right. I mean, if you watch that game on Sunday, you said okay, this could be a blueprint that a lot of teams employ. I mean, it, it it's. Okay, it's bold. Fine. Can you just it's not I mean, lukewarm? It's bold. Thank you. I mean, I, I just feel like just because I laid it out rationally, you did mean that it wasn't yeah. a bold take. No, that's the thing. You, 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 your argument was so good that it didn't make it feel like it was bold. You know, like it, you used nuance and you used logic and you had reason and you had facts to support your statement. That's, that's where I went wrong. You didn't just hot it? take it for me. Yeah, yeah I should have right? just. I should have said Carl Pickens will have eight receptions for 122 yards in the season finale against Cleveland. Why are we bringing up all these guys from the nineties? I, I got nothing a, else. I got a nothing thing? else. Yeah. Right. It's Is Reggie Rembert going to make an appearance. David Dunn. I mean, what we, we could just name some dudes from the nineties. If you want, we do love Tom Tumulty is going to show up and, and lead the team in tackles. Rodney we, Holman three for 26. Paul, Paul Justin comes back and, and, and uh, holds the clipboard for Joe. Like, well, I could do this all day. If you want, no, you're, your argument was too rational. It was too sane. And so it made me feel like, God, that's not that bold. But yes, I get where you're going. And Jamar Chase is awesome. And T. Higgins in the first five or six games of the season wasn't very good. But now he is. And so here we go. All right. All right. We played. We played predictions. We did cold and bold. We checked the boxes. We've we've done we've we've done our we've done our job. Mo, I will be with you this afternoon on ESPN 1530 from three to four. Uh, at the Moreland Logger House. I'm looking forward to that. Are you going to yeah. make me play any games? 
I'll, I'll see if I can come up with one. I, I don't have any on the, the docket, but okay. uh, we'll see. You know, if you want to, I mean, I, no, bring I, a, I, I, I enjoy just talking. We don't we don't have to come up with a trope. I can bring like a wheel or something and we can uh, wheel Ooh. of something. I've actually wanted to have a wheel. We had uh, we had the wheel when we had our guy, Paul Hirons, which shout out to the Who Day UK people who were in town this yeah. past weekend who were having the time of their lives in Cincinnati on their on their uh, their run in. But we had we had the wheel with them, which I always uh, which I really appreciated. So I, it made me want to have my own wheel. You know, so maybe maybe we could get one. I used to have the wheel of blame and then my colleagues on ESPN 1530 stole it. One day I'm driving in and I hear Tony and Austin during the red season last year, maybe playing wheel of blame. And I'm like, well, that was my gimmick that I stole from a radio station in Chicago. Thanks. (laughs) And and at least it was forward. Yeah, pay it forward. forward. So now I, you know, I didn't I didn't uh, trademark it, but the intellectual property anyway. We could bring a wheel. I'll come up with a game. We'll do something. Can we steal it back from them? Sure. Yeah. And tell them that we're stealing it back from them. Okay. Oh, there's not much blame though. It's going to be like the, the wheel of credit. Yeah. We can do it that way. That's not as fun. Uh, You know, we'll, 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 I'll try to figure out, I'll try to figure out something. I'll try to figure, I'll try to figure something out. I, I do. Can I just spend 60 seconds talking about my, my new least favorite fan? Of course, I'm so excited. So the stripe the jungle thing was awesome. Yeah, like it was cool, and and I was pleasantly surprised. Like everybody got the memo, but not every single person wore black or orange. What I am opposed to is shaming the fan who wears the color they're not supposed to. Oh, right. And I yeah. saw amid what was a really fun atmosphere and a really fun game, there was some of that. And bro, you're wearing red, like. Yeah, I'm going to be chilly. This is my favorite red sweatshirt. <laughs> there was a lot of that. Or like the Bengals have white jerseys. Folks paid a lot of money for those jerseys. If I had one of those and I paid a lot of money for it, I'm wearing it, man. I don't care if we're in the, the yellow section, the orange section, the green section, the black section. I'm wearing my white. I just a little bit too much shaming walking in the stadium and sitting in my seats on Sunday night. And I just wanted to get that off my chest on your podcast. No, I, I appreciate that. I, I just, I feel like one, no one should be shamed for anything that they're wearing. Correct. As long as it's clothes, as long as it's something. Yes. Right. I would mm-hmm. shame someone for nudity. That's the only thing that I'm shaming you for. And and you'd get arrested also. The police yes. would shame you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so that would be my only, never, never shame. And I my other thing is I had, I had two takes. I had two takes on the Stripe the Jungle thing. Mm-hmm. One, it was a money grab to buy to sell orange merchandise. Of okay. course it was. That's and fine. two and two. It was good. It looked it cool. Good. It looked it looked it looked great. So win win for both sides. It got it, to look cool, and the Bengals got their orange merch sold. Everything in life is a money grab. Yes. Okay. I would have. I would have. You know, a lot of lot of people, a lot of teams have been known to. You know, you you just you put the color T shirt there at the seat in case someone doesn't have that color. Would have been nice. Could have gone that route, right? Would have been that nice. Could have gone that route. You know, one of the one of you know, maybe like the next year the radio partner will print sixty-five thousand uh black and orange t-shirts. Yes. And put them on the proper seat so everyone's color coded without having to purchase anything new. Right. That's an option that could be taken. Could be. And that's and that's fine. And that's fine. That wasn't the one that they chose to do, but it looked damn cool. And it, it looks cool. cool for TV. And I think the atmospheres are kind of becoming quite a thing here. I credit 
the the production team and and everything they've invested in that side, whether it be video boards, people, uh, yeah. and and time and energy and effort spent into creating those, it's been they've done an incredible job. Especially when you consider they were basically last in the league, like at this about four or five years ago. Yeah, and they had the rulers of the jungle, uh, Clark Harris and Kevin Huber, which Love was it. great. I, I do think we need to redefine the word legend. They introduced. Clark Harris. Don't take don't 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 do this. Like Clark Harris, fine career. Played in the second most amount of games of all time. V- wonderful long snapper. Legend? legend. Yes, legend. Okay. All right. Hair, facial hair, we, we, we need attitude. To, okay. We, we time of the Super Bowl. That's gonna be the game today. I'm gonna name <laughs> 50 Bengals who have played for the team, and you'll tell me legend, not legend. Well, Clark Harris is a legend okay. in, in him, it, it just in his own persona. Okay, that's, that's fine. Not but, as a player, as a persona on the but, team. But is that what we're going with now? The persona's got to be a legend. I mean, For me, okay. I think legend is more about persona than play. All right, okay. I don't really have an issue with that, but we need to define that more legend than Kevin Huber, and I have nothing but love for Kevin Huber. Hmm, that's by that's persona. Fine, I don't know, man. Kevin's Mr. He's Mr. Mr. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. I know. I know. I I take it back. I feel terrible. That was too bold. Too bold. Damn. That's. I I might have to edit that out. I feel bad about it. Kevin's listening. Don't tell him. I'm sure he does. Yeah, I'm sure he's really, really tuned into every episode. I know he's got time and he's playing golf probably, but like. Listening to it in the golf cart. Yeah, yeah, he's he's out on 17 (laughs) with his AirPods in. I'm sure. Legend, not a legend. Sorry about that, Kev. I take it back. Uh, all right, Mo. Thanks. See you this afternoon. See ya. Take Later. care. All right. There's Mo Egger from ESPN fifteen thirty, uh, and I apologize to Kevin Hugh. That was unnecessary. I don't know what happened to me there. I don't know. I I, I think it was right though for you to take umbrage to Clark Harris being demeaned by Mo is not a legend. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. Clark's my guy. Yeah, and Clark's- by the way, how you feeling about him? questioning your boldness eh. <laughs> i deserve it whatever uh, you know. came you came back bold at kevin huber said yeah <laughs> it's okay yeah. you can question my boldness I, <laughs> I i you know my lack of my lack of ability to be bold is shown in my reaction i don't have the ability to be bold <laughs> about anything i'm not even that doesn't even fire me up Whatever. I'm just here to go along with it. I'm just trying to this complete is, an episode. This is what happens when we deviate from aliens. You yeah, and, that's right. and Mo don't get along. I hope people appreciate that I gave it a bye week. Okay? Yeah. I hope people appreciate it. I, I know that it can get to be a lot. I just feel like <laughs> it's about timing. And sometimes you got to sure. you gotta lay off of it to make it feel special. So I backed sure. off. Um, I, I want to get into um, a few different players here just to kind of have some discussion about that I think are at interesting stages and I have a little bit of insight in from some conversations over the last few days um there's no better way to do it than a run pass or boot you want to run pass or boot this let's, let's run pass or boot this okay all right what's your how do you want to run pass or boot it what do you how what do you want to do our our question on this is who will be most impactful the second half of the season so we'll okay. continue on with our bold predictions here Okay. Uh, we've got Joe Mixon. We've got Jonah Williams, and we've got Miles Murphy. Mm. See, one of them 
Miles Murphy, I'll start here because I'm going to boot Miles Murphy because it's the obvious boot. Just if you look at their first half. Um, But it's turning a little bit for Miles Murphy. You can see it. You heard the optimism in Lou Anarumo's voice a couple of weeks ago. Going to get him some more run out there. We feel like he's starting to show things in practice. Yeah, Got some more snaps. What do I say, Dave? Follow the reps. <laughs> yeah. You follow the reps and the money and the draft picks. Well, guess what? Murphy's got all three yeah. uh, in that. the You know what the draft pick is. You know what the reps, you know what uh, his money is and the expectations are. And now you had a growing number of reps. He had 10, 10 snaps, which, which was up. How much does his game plan? I don't know. But he had a couple of pressures. You saw him a couple of times, which is new. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you noticed him. Yeah. And 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 you knew you know the physical traits are there. It's why he went where he went. It's why he was such a top prospect. He is a, he is a traits based guy who didn't have quite as much production at Clemson. But the idea being Marion Hobby Hobby and the crew can get it out of him. You're starting to see that. And if you have an injury to Trey Hendrickson, who's always playing through something, or Sam Hubbard, I mean he outsnapped Osai. Sample is kind of the every guy, you know, he's the try hard, not as physically gifted guy. You could see a point where Miles Murphy is asked to come in and and be the dude uh, and and, and get more opportunities. And if he can make it look a little bit more like it has uh, and continue to grow on this, he could be quite impactful. I think it's encouraging uh, what's happened so far for a guy who, let's be honest, everyone was rightfully wondering aloud about. Yeah. Um. And maybe the whispers about why didn't they take Sam Laporta instead of Miles Murphy will be just that. Stay whispers if if Murphy can start to show things. And you've seen glimpses. I'm not saying it's going to happen or that he's going to be a great, but you're seeing glimpses. He's getting rewarded, which means it's happening in practice. So I think it's notable. I think it's close. This is closer than people think. So, I'll, so it's I'll an it's that. an optimistic boot, is what you're telling us. An optimistic boot. Yeah. yeah. Polite yeah. boot. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't always have to be bad. It doesn't have to be so negative. No. <laughs> um, second, uh, um, I'm going to say Joe Mixon because, man, you worry. I mean, how he handles the load is going to be impactful. There, You can mm-hmm. see them trying to get a little bit more to Travion Williams. You're a few more carries early. Chase Brown will eventually get healthy. Maybe he eventually enters this rotation and takes a little bit out more, but there here's the thing. I mean, beyond the obvious, just everybody looks different than Joe Joe Mixon. Just he's bigger. He's stronger. Yeah. He, he just looks different than the other running backs on this roster by nature of the fact that they have these three diminutive guys and this big Joe Mixon. That said, it was a, it was a, scuffle for him the other night. I mean, 37 yards wasn't much. We'll talk about that. It was the growler bet. Um, you know, he he was not particularly effective. 33% success rate, which is not great um for him. You had it just there just wasn't it wasn't everything you want. Um that said at third 
and three or four, whatever it was on that last play of the game. And really the last three handoffs there. Yeah. He finished it. And yeah. and to do it in the big moment was big. So we we sat down with Brian Callahan as a media group and and yesterday you heard some of my conversation with him afterwards earlier, but um, I, I want to bring you this because the, the mix and I brought up the mix in topic and he said something interesting and and I think it's uh, an important one to um, to bring out and it ends with with a, a little joke that we're going to that I'm going to get to after that. So here's uh here is uh, and anyone listening to the broadcast might know what this joke is about. Um, here's Brian Callahan on Joe Mixon. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Mix and run. I mean, I'm not going to spill this, like, the scheme or design. Is that a design bounce or did he just take that and see the space? No, we, had, we didn't have enough guys on the front side to block. Um, we really were short. And so you see Drew Sample... Uh, Drew Sample sort of doesn't quite know who to take, so he takes the inside guy. Uh, and then really Von Miller is unblocked. And so Mixon just feels him unblocked and knows that he's got to do something with it. And um, his instincts took over in that moment, you know, yeah. and, and, he, and he did a great job of uh, bouncing the ball. It's, it's, that play can bounce. It's designed to potentially bounce. But with the way that the front got blocked, I mean, it was just – it was just really a great individual effort uh, by Mixon. And I thought the coolest thing about it was, you know, he doesn't know this. They're, they're, he knows we're in a four-minute. we got to get out of bounds. Um, the clock needs to keep moving. But, you know, they don't know the timeouts. And, and so we, we tell him we're in a mud situation, which means if we get the first, we're down. We're not trying to score. We're not. So he's dialed into the situation, and he's, he gets the first down. But he has no idea. That really, that getting the first down is much more important than staying in bounds. Like we have to get the first down. Staying in bounds is irrelevant. And so you see him afterwards, sort of like he's like disappointed. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> and he's kind of like, that's oh, my bad. Like he was he was really really disappointed in himself that he went out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an awesome moment 
to see for him and for like his attention to the the situation and knowing how important it was to stay in bounds without knowing the, that they had no timeouts and the first down the game was over. He didn't know that. Mm-hmm. He just knows that I'm in a four minute. I'm trying to get out. I got to try to keep this clock running. Um, but you talk about a guy that just trying to do his job right and was so disappointed he went out of bounds when you watch him after the play. Um, uh, that was just it was just great to see his attention to that situation and how important it was that he was trying to do the right thing in the right time. Um, but thankfully he got the first down. I mean, you guys have leaned on Joe since, I mean, since you've been here. Yeah. But, I mean, he had a rough night. He, he wasn't getting a lot of yardage. Mm-hmm. I mean, there wasn't much there for him to summon a play like that in a big moment. Does that say uh, something about why you guys are comfortable continually leaning on him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's we have a ton of confidence. Um, you know, when the time comes that we have to get two, three yards, that he's going to find a way to get it. And uh, he's big and strong, and he's hard to tackle, and can't block them all sometimes. And it was it was a tough night uh, on the ground. They they did a nice job of. They sort of always seem to have an extra hat um, in the run game, which was challenging. But for Joe to be able to, to know we're going to give him the ball, we need you to get us. Basically, you got three plays to get us ten yards, uh, and for him to do that was was pretty awesome and yeah we're going to always continue to lean on him in those spots if he doesn't that's a pretty uncomfortable kick for Evan if he misses oh yeah I mean from 50 something and the Bills potentially going the other direction if he doesn't get that I mean that's a yes I'm I'm happy we didn't have to do that (laughs) (laughs) one less decision one less yeah that's um, yeah, glad those glad that one that decision just gets to float off in the, yeah, the, <laughs> in the, in the oblivion, and we don't have to talk about it. But yeah, it was that was a big moment. Yeah, that was a big moment. Back to Burrow's bedtime when he first got here. <laughs> did you ever text him after eight o'clock and get ghosted and be like, "What the hell?" No, I. I... I, I just got to say, as everybody knows, we love our guy, Jay. And he had one of the funniest lines after that. We said, uh, back to Burroughs bedtime, which was a conversation <laughs> point from earlier. Because I, I was like, they what a really interesting point by Brian. And then and, and Jay was like, oh, back to Burroughs bedtime, which it ended up being a great question about if he ever ghosted him because he goes to sleep so early. And they, yeah. they went into Burroughs bedtime on the broadcast or whatever. And it had been asked earlier uh, something about that. It's just we've reached the point in the season, Dave. Where it's it's the back to Burroughs bedtime point of the season <laughs> where we're just we're in weird places often with some of these conversations that we have. Which, by the way, if there's ever a children's book that they want to use, Joe Burrow is like the main <laughs> character. Back to Burroughs bedtime would be great. Yeah, it's very similar to Go the F to Sleep, also a popular <laughs> baby's book, which is Burroughs mentality on sleeping. Get to bed early, baby. Uh which I, which is one of the things I loved about the Manning cast when he was on was he didn't really want to do it because it was going to keep him up past his bedtime and he didn't <laughs> want to do that. That's why he had to do like the first quarter with that one, whatever. I guess it was last year or two years ago. Um, very regimented about it. Disciplined Joe Burrow on his bedtime. Um, I need that. That's who that's I was going to say. I was going to say he's, you know, a world class athlete and we're barely dragging ourselves in front of laptops to talk for an hour. So I mean, it says a lot about him. us and well, him. I'm just going <laughs> to pin it down just to the sleep. I think we're pretty much him if we just get to sleep. If we just would get to sleep at 8 o'clock every night. Uh, you know, Nothing to do with our other life choices. Yeah, this it's would basically be like as popular as pardon my take. Yeah, basically. Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so, but I thought I thought the point, though, was interesting is that, look, when they feel like they need it, when they need a yard, when they need three, when they got to have it, it, they really feel like he's going to get it for them. 
Yeah. And and that is part of why they you know they're willing to continue to to lean on Joe and and and, and the role that he can play. He look he's just not going to give you the explosiveness. He's not going to be the guy breaking all these tackles out in space. But there's a real belief when you got to have it and you need it, he's going to have one as he noted, the the specific understanding of the situation of exactly what's needed, mentioning that him, him being mad at himself for going out of bounds when that wasn't even something he needed to do. Yeah. And 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 then be able to get that tough yard. And you well, saw it also with the touchdown. Yeah. It's touchdown too. Um, is there something to be said at this? You're welcome to tell me I'm wrong. Um, this team, I mean, it's like the old West coast offense and it's like the NFL's kind of become right now where you just mentioned it earlier. Everything's going to be underneath. Everything's going to be short. Your short passing game to some degree kind of becomes your running game in the current NFL. So yeah. you don't, you don't need a bell cow, Adrian Peterson type necessarily. Now you want better than those numbers you see the other night, but if he gives you those tough yards, if he scores those inside the five touchdowns, that's still pretty valuable. No, you, you want, I think the most important thing they need from him is, is that, is that same number they needed last year. They need that success percentage to be up. They need him to be efficient and they need him to be very high successful, efficient and successful in Third, you know, running situations, short yardage, those types of things. He's got to be the guy to get those yards. Otherwise, where's the real value? And I think they feel like that's part of the real value is those moments. And despite 2.6 per carry, um, those two huge moments, I think, help carry the game, particularly the one that really at the end, those last those last three carries there at the end that, that he's able to get the 10 yards and finish him off. I thought that was interesting. So for that reason, I'm keeping him up there impactful. And then Jonah Williams. Another guy who, you know, Brian was saying, look, I, I don't think you can argue against this being the best football of his career. Um, A question that Charlie Goldsmith broached to him and, and I think is right on. And you look the last few weeks, I mean, under the in this stretch of healthy burrow, he's ranks 17th amongst 61 qualifiers on PFF overall. Um nine pressures in those four games he's faced some stuff he's seen real dudes over there um and for him to have done this move moved over become someone you're not even really talking about much anymore Mm -hmm. uh has really been oppressive and more than anything he's making himself a lot of money right now (laughs) yeah we talked about that leading into the season you you make yourself a, a guy who can play right or left tackle as you're heading into free agency there's guys that aren't even good that are making tons of money just because they can play right tackle at this point. So yeah, he's good for him. Yeah. Good for him. And, and it's and critical for this, for this offense who, you know, I, I go back to as much as we've harped on certain aspects of where they're not being as good and, and in protection overall, they've, they've really been solid. Um, and certainly more than enough when you consider how good Burrow is at escaping these pockets. Um, they're giving him that slightly higher percentage of clean pockets for the most part. It just feels like more at a little higher rate, he's able to stand back there and pick apart, and he only has to do the special plays at a slightly, you know, a little less. Yeah. And w- when that happens, you you get 
348 and two touchdowns. You get 87% completion against San Francisco. You get some of these performances by combining healthy Burrow and, and everything he brings in the magic aspect to a line that protects even at an, an average to above average level. I think you're starting to see that pay off and, and Jonah's move being uh, a, a big part of that. So, um, you know, I, that's, uh, he's obviously going to continue to be the most impactful it, him staying healthy, which has been a part of his career. Um, and, and continuing to play at this level will, will be one of the most impactful things they have, uh, going forward. So that's my, that's my run passer boot on those guys. All right. Um, all right, let's, let's go back. Growler bet review time, Dave, just you guys, you got you listeners, guys, gals, all of you, you're the best. <laughs> it's just been quite a show, uh, in recent weeks, you know, there was last week we had, Tyler Dunn on and, and, you know, Dave, we had some Seinfeld talk. There was all kind, and you, you just playing off of everything so well. I have, I don't even know how many I have here on the list of subject headers, but uh, the, the bet, the growler bet last week was mix and rushing yards. He ended up with 37. Um, To start off, there were no winners. Shout out to my guy, Joe DiPietro. 36. Oh, so close, Joe. For being so close, I get to stay at your place in Detroit for free another night, my buddy. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And so I'll bring, I will bring some beer with me next time you give me a free room and board, Joe. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Also, Jeff Highland, 137. Oh, so close. (laughs) Too optimistic. Uh, But between there, there were a lot of great people in my subject headers. And so I'm just going to run down a few. Uh, Andrew White, who dropped the Seinfeld poem to Blue Oyster Cult. I mean, I, I don't even know what to say. There was a Seinfeld poem. You had, uh, I'm sorry, Dustin Rue had the Blue Oyster Cult. I, I don't even, there's so many. You guys are making songs. You're making poems. The, the dedication is beyond my capacity. Um <laughs> A lot of you answered 69 this week. So shout out to you on that. I should have seen nice. that one coming nice. after after criticizing the fact that somehow mm-hmm. no one guessed the correct 69 number the previous week. A lot of you were on that joke, and I appreciate you being yeah. willing to go there with me. Some some Beavis and Butt Hitty and <laughs> overcorrection right there. <laughs> A lot of overcorrection. <laughs> There's no doubt. Um Ben Beitzel. You yada yada the best part. No, I mentioned the growler. <laughs> I like that one. I like that Love one. Um, Ethan Wagner going back to uh, Anchorman for me. 60% of the time, nice. my growler bet works every time <laughs> like that. Um, Guy Bauer with the super dupa growler shouting out the fact that I have decided to call butts dupas because that's what I <laughs> how I reference them to my children now consistently on this very adult podcast for some reason. Uh, so thank you for, uh, for dropping a dupa on me. <laughs> uh, Justin Roberts referencing my story. Growlers are for closers. Also yeah. swingers shout out. Um, Kent Montgomery and the Carrie Underwood song was waiting all day to win a growler bet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, of course, we said any 90s movie reference, particularly Tommy Boy's going to get you some love. And with Buffalo Town, Corey Ryan, Tommy Likey, Tommy One Wingy, 
And then you just said growler parentheses, which I also appreciate. Uh, <laughs> John Harth playing off uh, my conversation with Tyler Dunn. Keep my wife's growler out your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so many people tying back into the conversations. I like that. Um, uh, uh, rest in peace, Matthew Perry. Could I be any more growler? <laughs> Uh, and then finally, the man, the myth, the legend, Ray White, who always has the hammers. Aliens touched my growler. <laughs> uh, shout out to everybody that had messages for me inside of these and everything that you guys are doing. Y'all are the best. Uh, this has been so much fun. The embracing <laughs> that's happened uh, around the sorry that nobody won. Uh, but maybe, maybe in the future. I, I like that Jeff Highland one at 137 because it's like if you play Immaculate Grid. And you just killed it on eight of them, and then you screw up the last one because you thought Jay Johnstone played for somebody that he didn't, and then they just give you an extra hundred. So it's like he nailed it, but he got Jay Johnstone on the wrong team and yeah. went to one thirty-seven. That's it. I love it, Jay Johnstone. <laughs> Jeff, we're just dudes talking about guys. <laughs> that's all we are. Uh, okay, so that uh, that's that's our growler bet situation uh arby's this week i've I've got a number of different uh things there's a couple of things i want to i want to touch on first of all talked about it potentially being slogan season a couple of weeks ago Mm. uh this is right around the time that the slogans have showed up of course it's (laughs) it's about us they gotta play us yeah well if you watched the post-game speech uh after this one as zach taylor's talking about the win Talking about complimentary football and how they won by getting ahead. Who yells out? Our guy, the guy, the creator of of they gotta play us himself, Mark <laughs> Duffner. That's Bengals football. <laughs> now it wasn't as high pitched as his like they gotta play us from a couple, and it, so it made me wonder: was that definitely Duff? And so I checked in with <laughs> Bengals PR, who did confirm that was Duff, which means. It is in the running. There's a potential nice. that hashtag that's Bengals football could become this year's slogan in hashtag slogan season. Josh needs making a shirt right now, isn't he? Oh, that's Bengals football. <laughs> Duffner's face. I, I don't. I, it's just I'm just saying, I don't know if it's going to catch on. It doesn't have a they got to play us feel. I mean, it doesn't mm. even have the word us in it, which we thought was kind of a requirement. Mm. Uh, but. It appears it has been submitted. Wow. So by by Mark, if, if Duffner yells it during the speech, it's got a shot. It's got <laughs> legs. All right. So right. that's Bengals football could be in play for for slogan season. Um, on a lighter note, uh, more a heavier note, I guess I should say. How great was the DeMar Hamlin moment on the field after the game? Yeah. First of all, him doing having the scholarship and the names of the 10 people here that basically helped save his life is incredible. They all go to d- dinner together at Ruby's on, on Saturday night. Incredible. And then the game ends and everybody's gone. No one's on the field. And there's DeMar Hamlin out there having a moment to himself, like out yeah. near that yard line behind where some people were just doing live shots after the game and happened to catch it. Yeah. We as a media and, you know, take every story and it becomes, I mean, that was the realest thing I've ever seen covering this sport when it happened. 
but it eventually becomes a thing where we're we it's every angle and there's so much and there's almost like Demar fatigue because we've yeah. we've talked about it so much. But then that, yeah, like that is real. Yeah, that is the real stuff that is so unbelievable and so cool and so poignant and so touching. And then him subtweeting that with you don't even know, yeah, um, what that moment was like for him. I can't imagine it. And I just thought that was truly special. And for all the coverage that and and hours dedicated to telling stories about it, really the thing that happened right there at the end, it you know almost in the view of no one was the most amazing thing uh, uh, that that happened throughout the whole process. And just what a cool moment! Yeah, and and just to think what's going through his mind. You're looking at the spot that you very well could have died. Yeah. And now you're now instead of in front of sixty five thousand people, it's just quiet, and you just have this moment to yourself. Another cool moment of that, I think it was a couple of sheriff's deputies or or some first responder types came out and greeted and dabbed up with him, and it was it was cool seeing that too. You know, because it's mm-hmm. like that that's such a big part of the story, and. uh yeah, it was a part of me kind of hated that there were still cameras there watching him. Yeah. Like I kind of wanted him to have his moment, but I also get it. And I'm I'm glad people could see it because it was it was very poignant. It was the photo that kind of went viral and circulated is one that I, I won't, yeah. you know, that I will never forget. I mean, just that scene of him in the empty stadium down there yeah. crouched over by himself. Uh yeah. so I mean, just an unbelievable story and and tying a bow on really such a remarkable thing that's happened but i thought that was great yeah. back to burrow's bedtime <laughs> see you gotta lighten it up we gotta we remember the word we're in that we're in that season yeah. we're we're in that we're in that season also yesterday we got a great story about mimi peggy from zach taylor which was great about his grandma who you know had this very kind wanting him to you know connect with a war veteran and sending and somehow this video got out there he didn't realize so he started telling us weaving tales about his mimi peggy on the i mean it's just it's great it's great (laughs) it's where it's where we're at it's where we're at where it's it's mimi peggy and and burrow's bedtime season that's what it is but then sometimes you get and i want to end with this because i just saw this before we started you get the other side and that is these things happen. I just see this email to, to me, I think maybe to me, it's from somebody. I'm not going to give them the credit. I'm not going to say the name, but it just, the subject header is Bill's game. And at the top, I noticed it has a link to some website. I'm not, again, not going to name some story recapping the Bengals bills game. And under it, I realize two Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, Luana Rumo, Darren Simmons, Every member of the Bengal of the media, uh, Sam Francis, the the, uh, the 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 Bengals analytics guy, Mike Brown on this list, uh, you name it, just with a random spilling of thoughts from the game. Okay, and it's like <laughs> dominant performance, but when you got your foot on their throat, you got to finish them off. Uh, awesome. This is six straight games in prime time. Teams getting used to playing in the limelight. Drew Sample is becoming the next Travis Kelty. Kelsey. Uh, <laughs> bold takes. <laughs> bold. That's here. bold. Bold takes are here. Even that idiot Chris Collins worthless admits Ooh, that. Yeah. Sick burn. Uh, after all the opportunities the Bengals gave that guy, I will never understand why he's so down on the team. 
uh, nepotism, Colin Worthless <laughs> again referenced uh, that now in a different font for some reason. Uh, <laughs> that was definitely Pastor Pierce with Jamar Chase laying on his back. I love the West Coast offense touchdown pass. Maybe it's time to coin a new phrase, riverfront offense. Keep mm-hmm. using those delayed draws with Mixon. I have a vision of like Zach Taylor being reading that being like, <laughs> you know, we should keep doing those delayed draws to Mixon. Thank you, sir. I am going to maybe Mike Brown walks down to Zach Taylor's office. Like, did you guys see that email? I think he's right about the delayed draws. And then he includes like a couple of tweets about that. He tweeted to Alex Kappa to stop making silly penalties, (laughs) maintain your concentration. And that Joe Mixon should stop doing the Lambeau leap because he's going to get himself hurt. And I just love the audacity of attaching everyone. Yeah. To this I like guy. the thought that like Alex Kappa would get back in the huddle, check his phone, and see that like, oh, I should probably concentrate more and and not commit penalties. I gotta maintain my focus. He is right. <laughs> I'm gonna, and you know what? And maybe he didn't know, but Mike Brown came down and wanted to talk to him about the email. <laughs> and it was like a major conversation topic i like to think like every meeting is like all right uh now that we've talked about game management uh if we could address the email that we all got <laughs> talk about chris collins worthless the the funny part about that is is that he apparently collins worthless hates the team so much yet if you watch twitter it's just oh god chris collins we're doing another bengals game nothing but homer coverage so you can't win when you're when you're the guy doing the game, but he's Chris Collins worthless. I I might have to print out Drew Sample as becoming the next Travis Kelsey. I, I might. <laughs> he's closer to becoming the next Jason Kelsey, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just thanks for that email. I appreciate it. It's it's really the aggressiveness and the attaching to just anyone you could possibly think of that I yeah. that I love and I love. If it like, gets through is, to one person, you know, why is Marion Ho- why is Marion Hobby on this list? Like why why not? <laughs> why not? Oh man! All right, so that'll wrap us up. Thanks everybody for listening. <laughs> be back on Thursday, like I mentioned. Uh, Joe and Jeremy from Fox Nineteen will be with me. I'm looking forward to that. JT O'Sullivan from QB school talking about CJ Stroud and Joe Burrow's games. So make sure you check back for more of the same from HTPG uh, and uh, appreciate everyone for listening. So have a good one, everybody. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.